Welcome back to the Adventures of a Disney Dad podcast. My name is Matt Brandeber, a dad of three and the founder of adventuresofadisneydad.com, a travel agent with the Magic for Less Travel and your host. I'm joined by my co-host Chip Robinson. As always, well, not always, but soon to be a dad of five. We're almost at the end. Chip, how's everything going? By the time this comes out, we're within about 21 days, I'm going to say. So we're, 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 we're close. There you go. Let's keep that baby in there a little bit longer. This week, we are joined by a special guest. I'm really excited for this episode. Matt Richardson. Matt is a Disney content creator on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. He can be found at at Matt Richardson. He also does really cool travel content outside of Disney parks. He's one of my favorite follows on social media. So I'm really happy we've had we're able to have him here this week. We're also going to do a main segment of the of the episode. It's going to be focused on sort of a beginner's guide to Epcot. We'll talk about food, rides, some of our favorites. Most importantly, we're going to talk about a lot of Matt's favorites, and he's he's got a lot of experience at Epcot, so we'll talk about that. We'll have a ton of listener questions towards the end. We have a few games. We hope you enjoy the episode, but before we get into all that, Matt, tell us a little bit about your story and how you got started creating content, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, so I I went to Disney as a kid a few times, but not a lot. It wasn't a huge thing in my family, and about... 10 years ago, my partner, now husband, we both went to Disney just on a whim. We were in Florida. I'm like, let's check this out. And from there, I really got hooked on it. And I kept going back, going to Disney World, Disneyland. We were living in San Francisco at the time. So I was going to Disneyland a lot. And then I was interested in visiting the international parks. And I, I just got really into it. And I also was was working in, previously worked in television when I was a film student. And so eventually I started to blend those interests together, the Disney, the travel and the filmmaking and video making, and just started posting about, actually it's about like maybe a year and a half ago, I really started posting uh, content in earnest. Although I was dabbling a lot up until that point with all kinds of media, just posting my experiences in Disney parks and travel. And then I just got serious about it about a year and a half ago. And then few videos that really went viral kind of launched me and and got me noticed and it's been a lot of fun and now I'm I'm I'm, I'm really enjoying it it's been a lot of fun lately I I really enjoy your content I think you were one of the first follows that I had on TikTok and one of the first videos I I vividly remember this because I just remember thinking like man I would love to do that for a week and it was one of your videos about working at Walt Disney World and as a lawyer who works from home and who also dabbles in Disney stuff on the side, I was sitting there thinking I could I could pull that off. And I think it's part of it is your storytelling and your editing and the way you handle your videos. And so kudos to you on, on all those fronts. Thank you. But I guess, you know, was that really part of your the start of your journey, being able to work at Disney parks and spend some time there in the evenings? Yeah, I was, yeah, that, that helped a lot. I, I, I'm very lucky. I have a remote job and I travel a lot for work anyway. So I also get miles and, and, you know, hotel points and so on. And so I was sort of optimizing my life so that I could spend more time there. And yeah, that's what I was doing. I was working during the day. I also work for a company that's based in the UK. So I was starting my day a lot earlier and then I was having the <laughs> afternoon and evening in order to go to the parks. So it gave me you know, it gave me a lot of time in the parks. I started to learn the ins and outs of it a lot. I was consuming a lot of content too and seeing kind of the content I like. But yeah, just being able to work 
uh, work during the day and then head into the parks at night was a great way for me to sort of start off as a content creator. And then that video that you're talking about, the work from Disney video, yeah, that was the first one that really went crazy viral. Um, and that was just me talking about, here's how I made it work for me. And, and I don't know, there was something compelling about that. Even as a, a travel agent, the, I think you talked a little bit about the owner's locker in a video. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was the first time I'd even heard of it. Yeah, uh, that that was really interesting because I assumed that own, owner's locker has been around for a long time. It has, yeah. I, I had assumed that it was something everybody knew about. And that was something a lot of people picked up on. It's a, you know, basically a storage solution. You get a big bin and they pick it up and drop it off for you at Disney resorts. And they are great. They work really well. It's actually pretty affordable, you know, with unlimited pickups and drop offs. You pay for a year in advance. And that really made it easier for me. It was a little, I could leave stuff behind some clothes, toiletries, spare. I had this like portable spare monitor or keyboard mouse to just kind of jam it all in there <laughs> and just leave it in Florida. And then next time I came back, it would get delivered to the resort again and set myself up again to work. It was, it was a key to success for, for, for work from Disney. I love the owner's locker. And your videos are awesome. I love like watching Thank all you. the, I, I I'm a big fan of like the travel hacking. So I've, like, I've been watching your videos on just like all the clubs and all of that. Like the, like the sky lounges, like I'm always jealous. I'm like, Oh man, he's at the one that I just heard about in this other podcast. So like, it, it, it's pretty cool. I enjoy, I enjoy all of your content. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, the, the more you travel, the easier it is to, to do all that stuff. There's very little that, you know, I I'm paying for out of pocket. It's just, if you get a lot of miles, you can get into those clubs and, you know, I spend yeah. the miles on the membership and everything. So it just makes travel a lot easier. So yeah. It, and it's fun. And that's, a, that's the thing. And my whole thing is just sharing my experience. And if I have access to something that's interesting or neat, I can find some interesting things in really mundane spaces, I think sometimes. And so airport may be a mundane space, but there's always something interesting to find there. So I like sharing that. <laughs> It is so funny you mentioned that. There was there was one day I I watched your video and it was the chocolate ice cream in a lounge, and it was you were showing how it yeah. was made. <laughs> and I'm telling you, by the end of it, I was sitting there thinking this guy made ice cream in an airport lounge interesting to me. You know, you know and the Reddit. Have you seen the Reddit? Mildly interesting. I yes, I love that kind of stuff. It's just like here's something that people may just kind of look at and walk by, but then there's a subset of people who will be like, wait a second, that's kind of cool. I've never seen anything like that before. And I, I'm always just on the lookout for stuff like that. And that, that weird ice cream machine is an example of, okay, that's kind of mildly interesting. That's not something you see every day. I'll say, it, it I'll say really the, is. the greenhouses as well. The greenhouses over in Canada as you're flying back. I'm like, I heard Cleveland and I'm like, wait, is this stuff like on the lake? Like we look in a minute, like, where's this? Then he said, Ontario and I'm like well that's weird <laughs> yeah that that was even eerie I was flying in a plane looking out a window and just seeing what looked like LEDs all over this huge yeah. like acres of LEDs or something and it was a bit of a mystery but that was a fun one to solve and so it ends up being you can see some greenhouses when you're flying north of Lake Erie it's 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 really weird looking from the plane and, and you know, I forgot to mention at the beginning. Congratulations on your recent marriage! Uh, oh, thank you, awesome. <laughs> thank you. That, for anybody following along, definitely don't want to miss out on the congratulations. There, it, you've kind of come full circle. You've gone from working from Disney to now you have a spot in Disney. You guys recently bought a spot in Celebration. What what does your life look like now in terms of your Disney vacations? I mean, do you go solo? Do you go with your partner, with family? Like, is it a mix of both? Tell us a little bit about how you like the vacation. 
It's a little bit of everything. I've gone a lot solo on my own. My partner also travels for work a lot. And so sometimes if he's traveling for work, I don't really want to sit at home by myself. So I want to go somewhere and work somewhere interesting. So I'll do that. I've really enjoyed solo trips for many years, even going down to Disneyland from San Francisco when I lived there. I love that. I am now at the age where a lot of my friends are having kids that are Disney age and I'm going a lot with them. I'm kind of in my, in my community of I'm a, I'm, I'm their pro. In fact, just before this, I had a two hour call with a dear friend of mine who's never been to Disney world with his family. And I was oh, running wonderful. down all the, all the things he needs to consider and everything about how to make the trip a success. And so I have a standing offer with all my close friends and family that I'll kind of, if they'll allow me to join their vacation, go along and help to make it a fun one. And we do, we do, we have a lot of fun. So going with friends and family, I have 10 nieces and nephews. They all have standing offer from uncle Matt to, for them to take them around Disney world. And yeah, and that's, and then I also do the races as well to run Disney races. I'm, I've been a runner for a long time and that, that kind of keeps me going down there as well. So it's, it's a definitely a mix. It's a mix of different times, different kinds of ways that I'm, I'm there under different contexts, whether that's meeting up with friends and family, going for a race, or just being there on my own for a little while and getting content. And, you know, I think that that's one of the questions I get a lot is about solo travel because people will see that I go to Disney. They, they also sometimes don't see that there are other people with me, too. And it may look like I'm by myself, but I'm not necessarily I'm just not filming them or whatever, sharing them in my content. But, you know, I definitely want to touch base a little bit on the solo travel because it, there's a lot of people that want to do it. And what would your tips be for someone that's never traveled by themselves before, but they really want to and they want to take that leap? What advice would you give to that person? It's tough because like, to me, it's totally normal. I, I travel a lot for work on my own. So I'm traveling solo. I'm, I'm totally acclimated to it. I think that there's a lot of people who are just not acclimated to traveling on their own. And so to them, and I get these comments a lot on my videos where people are asking me about me being by myself, or if I mention I'm on a solo trip, people are just, they can't even fathom it. And for me, it's very natural. And I think I'm just acclimated to it. And so my advice is usually along the lines of you just got to do it. You just got to try it. You're, you're, you're sort of, I think a lot of people overthink it too much and they get into their head about how, how is it going to be? And honestly, it's going to be great. You know, you're going to have a good time because you make the choices, you do what you want to do. And uh, I see, I think a lot of the issues people talk about when they think about solo travel they're just they're just getting worked up about demons that aren't there or issues that aren't there and i i think i'm just lucky because i'm very much acclimated to solo travel and so i i have a great time in the parks i do whatever i want whenever i want i call it quits when i want i eat whatever i want it's it's great i love it i love it everyone should try it at least once if they can yeah i i agree and for me i, I was the same way I, I got more acclimated you know traveling for work and i i kind of started to tell myself if I can go to Vegas by myself for work, I can go to Walt Disney World by myself. And now I kind of make it about work too. And for me, you know, there's a little bit of the, I do miss my kids when I'm there, but it can be a really, really great time and and definitely take Matt's advice and and jump on it. And in terms of run Disney races, have you done the marathon or which weekends have you done? So I've done wine and dine weekend, princess weekend and uh, marathon weekend, but not the marathon, the half marathon during that weekend. Okay. So, yeah. Any plans to to try the full? So I, I, or the dopey? 
I, uh, but I am registered for the full in January. I'm not exactly trained up for it. So I'm going to decide I'm kind of, I'm at the go, no go moment now where I need to decide whether I really should be trying for it or not. I mean, I just did the uh, wine and dine half marathon and I ran the full half marathon. It felt great at the end. And then I walked another 13 miles in the parks. So, you know, if I run a half and walk a half, it's might be what I do, but knowing me, I can't do that. And I'll, I'll try to run the full and uh, it may not be the best thing for me if I don't have the right training behind me. So I'm, I'm kind of uh, deciding what, what, what I'm going to do now. Disney and being undertrained for a marathon are dangerous combinations. I, yeah. I ran Chicago undertrained and I would do it again. So I would encourage you to do it just because, I mean, you know, from doing Disney races, the Disney marathon is, is a different, it's a different deal and it's special. So definitely I would encourage you to do it. Just give it a shot. If you got to walk, you got to walk. And uh, there'll be plenty of other people that are going to be walking out there with you. So that definitely, definitely give that a shot. I'll be down there that weekend too. So maybe we'll say hi. Yeah, great. You gonna try, so, get, you gonna try to get the Disneyland, go, go uh, coast to coast. <laughs> yeah, I would love to do that. I, I, I'm registered for the Disneyland half, but it turns out I'm not able to make it. Some plans came up. So <laughs> uh, that's the thing. These registrations are 11 months in advance and I don't plan my life 11 months in advance. So uh, yeah, there's another registration fee down the toilet. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be that way. Along the same lines of solo travel, people that want to put themselves out there and create content, whether it be travel, Disney or other content, I think you can give great advice across the board. What advice would you have for people that are really wanting to get started and, and also really sticking with it once you do get started and staying consistent? What advice would you have for those folks? I, I think my my number one piece of advice would be to just get it out there. Don't whatever it takes to get a video out fast or get some piece of content out fast, you'll improve over time. I look back at my videos from a year ago and I cringe at the the choices I made. And but it took, it took all that video making and looking at the responses to the videos and seeing how they do and looking at them retrospectively to really improve as, as a creator. You never know what's going to get traction. You never know what's going to be compelling to people. I've been surprised by things I've done that, that are interesting to people. The greenhouse thing is an example or those weird, mildly interesting things. Some just like really take off. So I, I really do encourage people to if they're interested in that, think about it as what is it that you're seeing through your eyes? What are you experiencing? And uh, how can you share that in a way that's interesting and compelling? And that that's kind of the harder part is how do you make it interesting and compelling? And that takes a little bit of thought, I think. I think, you know, there's a lot of content I see where people are kind of just throwing stuff out there. And I, I call it like first thought or first idea, you know, and I think if you give things a little bit of time and you ruminate on things a little bit, you might come up with a better way of sort of a compelling hook to something, giving it a bin or a, a way of editing it that makes it a little bit more interesting and a little bit more enticing for people to watch. And in fact, sometimes that happens to me after I've uploaded the video, I upload the video and I said, oh, you know what? I missed a trick there. I, I missed a way for me to make that a little bit more compelling. And then I say, oh, well, I learned my lesson for next time. But that's the whole thing. It's volume. It's numbers. It's, get, yeah. it's getting content out there as much as you can. And more than anything, have a good time. Enjoy it. I, I see it as a, a new perspective to see the parks and to enjoy the parks by getting content. And I love that. That's really how it started, really, for me. It was like, 
we we the, they just put out the statues for the 50th anniversary of Disney World, and we my husband and I were like, well, let's go see all of them in a day if we can. Let's figure out if we can do that. And I decided to record it, and I said, I saw that a, video. Yeah, that's a fun new. It was like a new dimension for me. It was like, okay, the first new dimension was trying to do this challenge, but then why not capture it too? And then that became a new dimension on on how to experience the parks, is how to share that experience. Do you plan your content out in advance usually? Or do you, because a lot of times I think you, you film your content and then you do voiceovers after. Sometimes you show yourself in between for those that have seen Matt's content. But do you plan that out or do you more so film the content of your day vlog style and then come back with your hook and the way you want to tell a compelling story afterwards? How does um, that work I for you? There's not a single way. There's not a single way I do it. There's a lot of different ways that I do it. Generally, the the most common way I'll do it is I just capture the experience as it's happening. And then if in the experience, I know what my hook is, I might record that to camera after the fact. I might stand outside the restaurant and record the hook based on kind of like, you know, what my experience was. Sometimes I need to kind of think about what the, the script and the hook is. And so I let it go and I might take some notes in Google Docs or something and just, you know, I have kind of a rough outline of a script. And then when I get home, I'll sort of flesh out that script, record a full voiceover, and then lay that down and put the, the video track on top of that. But then sometimes, though, I have a very clear idea of what, what the compelling aspect is. If like I'm going to do the behind-the-seeds tour at Epcot, I kind of know how I want to introduce that and what I want to say. So I'll think about what that what that opener is. I'll record that before doing it and then go and do and do the experience. So uh, it, it all depends. It all depends. Sometimes it's just I'm in the park. I notice something interesting and record it and then figure out how to kind of work it into a concept or or work it into a vlog style for the day. You know, is there a favorite video or a video that sticks out to you that you are the most proud of? So um, the, I was thinking about this recently and I was thinking about a moment I had making a video where I, I actually I was in the parks and I was just sort of doing vlog style and a video for the day and I got an Instagram message from a cast member that said Matt come to Ep come to Sunshine Seasons we've got a new a new milkshake an, uh, an Oreo milkshake and and so we were at Rat we were walking off of Ratatouille when that happened and I was like well let's go and so we went right at that moment to go film a video about a brand new milkshake. Now, I don't think of myself as someone who covers like breaking news at Disney World. I just share my experience. But this was really fun because it made me feel like I was like a, you know, I felt like I was covering a hot story. I got a hot tip and let's let's get it out there. And so it was just like a fun moment, not only that someone knew me well enough to know that I would absolutely love an Oreo milkshake, that they got in touch with me to let me know when they were starting to serve it as like a test at, Ep at Sunshine Seasons. And, and I got to be one of the first to try it. And I was able to document that and share that. And for me, that was like, I felt like a true creator in that moment. And so that one's a special one for me, although it's not like it, did, <laughs> it wasn't like a high performing video or anything, but I just <laughs> really, I really enjoyed that moment of feeling like that was like a moment I felt like a true creator. And, and it can kind of give you an eye into how some of these bigger sites get their information. You, you always wonder like, how do they always know when there's a brand new pair of ears at a random shop at Hollywood studios? There, there's a little bit of how the sausage is made for some of that stuff. And that that's, but that's really cool. And you know, your, your content isn't only Disney. And I think that's one of the things that I appreciate too. You, I wouldn't call you necessarily from my perspective, I wouldn't label you as a variety content creator. I still would. I think you're based in 
travel in Disney. But what's your favorite kind of content to make? Is it Disney or is it something? Is there something else that you enjoy doing more? The way so the way I see it is I'm sharing my experiences and I like interesting experiences. Disney is great at providing interesting experiences. And so I do prefer the Disney stuff. There's also just a massive audience for it. But I think there's interesting experiences all over the world. And it's not just Disney doing interesting stuff. You've got like like Team Lab in Tokyo or Meow Wolf, which I, I haven't done Meow Wolf yet, but I've done the Team Lab experiences. And I love stuff like that. I want to be doing more stuff like that. And so my whole thing here is where where are those interesting things happening? The thing about Disney is that they're so prolific with with providing new and interesting experiences. They're putting a new spin on a food item or a restaurant experience or an attraction they're opening new attractions or putting new skins on attractions. And so I, I really love how they're keeping that fresh and there's just such a huge volume of stuff to talk about and think about and experience and share. So Disney's just a natural spot for me. So I really, I really do like that a lot. Awesome. You know, you're also on every platform, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Is there a platform that you prefer to be on more than others? There's something, so I, I've been kind of vacillating on this a little bit. I was having my first big hits on TikTok. And the thing I liked about TikTok was that I felt like every video had a shot at success on TikTok. You didn't have to have a huge audience. And, you know, I had very few followers with my first big hit, which was a, um, a video about the 50th anniversary tour um, that takes you to Cinderella Castle. And I had not a lot of followers, but that video did really well because hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views. And so I like TikTok because it gives everyone a chance for success. If you've got compelling content, it has a shot in the Thunderdome. I think in <laughs> platforms like YouTube and Instagram, it's a little bit more about audience building, brand building. It's a little bit about how you fit into this picture and a, a bigger picture rather than just a piece of content. And so that's taken a little bit more time. It's a little bit more slow, but it's it's come a long way. And, and the Instagram audience has developed over time, which is really nice. And But TikTok, there's something about TikTok that I really enjoy how everyone has a shot at success. You see, you know, it, it's incredible. You see some amazing stuff come bubble up on TikTok. I like that stuff. The TikTok seems to have less pressure, yeah. in in my opinion. There's also can be a little bit more toxicity. Yeah, it it seems. I haven't personally experienced that, but just you know what you view in the Disney parks world, there can be a little bit more people that are behind their keyboards a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's so the the big another big difference is that like. TikTok encourages discourse and using the platform for discourse, whereas Instagram is a little bit more like this is me and what I present to you as my life. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Maybe people make comments, but there's not that sort of like reaction video culture that you see on Instagram that on TikTok, you see stitches and duets, which like people really use for all kinds of discourse, whether good and bad. Yeah. And I, I personally just try to focus on making content. I actually try to stay out of the discourse other than engaging with people who are making productive comments on my videos and, and encouraging that. I try just to sort of steer clear of drama as much as, <laughs> as much as I can. <laughs> that's, the, that's the way to go. One last question before we start jumping into really some of the Disney nitty gritty. What, what are your goals as a content creator, if you have any, for the next, you know, one to five years? Do you have like, I mean, is, is working with Disney a goal or do you have any, any kind of goals for your content creation or is it purely let's just make memories, let's have fun, 
let's show you know how I'm living my life, which that that seems to be my impression of of how you view things. But I'd love to know what your thoughts are on that. This is a hobby for me. I'm enjoying it. I'm living in the moment with it. I don't have any goals for it. I'm just seeing where it goes. And I think I, I want to continue to just find interesting experiences to share and see where it goes. But it is, it's just a fun little hobby. I'm not trying. I, I think once I try, I feel like once I try to to make it something that it's not, I feel like I'm going to start to fail at it. So <laughs> I really just want to live in the moment and let the organic thing do its thing. And that way I'm not disappointed. I think that's the thing is like people hope for, you might hope for something more than what you have. And then when you don't get it right away, you get really discouraged and you stop it. And that's what I don't want to do is I want to, I want to keep this up. I want to enjoy what I'm doing in the moment and not think too much about what the future holds. And I know there's going to be some natural development over time. I'm going to perfect my craft. I'm going to find more interesting things to talk about and more people are going to get in touch with me and give me interesting tips. And so that's, you know, I want to see, just let, let that unfold naturally as it will. That's in other words, if your videos too. Yeah. Like you, I, I see that you're very like, this is what I would do. Like, you know, like you can do whatever you want. But this is what I like. These are what my things are. And you're just, it's, it's more like helpful advice is what, and you said earlier, you're, your friends, your family's guru. It's the same way with us. That, that's who I, I got a text from a college roommate saying, Hey, should I go to magic kingdom for one day? And in February, and I'm like, yeah, here's what you got to do. And like, right. uh, that's what your, that's where your platform is. And it's awesome. I, I always love watching those videos. Yeah, it's 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 everyone has an interesting story to tell. Everyone has interesting experiences, and and I think it's just like how how you get them out there, how you tell that story makes the biggest difference. And if you're a cast member, keep sliding into Matt's yes, DMs. Please, please, I would appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> there, there, you, there you go. And then Matt, Matt can slide them to me, and and, right. uh, and I'll share them too. But let, let's dive into you know one of the coolest things that um, a lot of other people may not get the get the chance to experience and you get the the travel from work and things like that is, is the international parks. So get, give us, I, I don't want to go into too much detail, but I know you've done Tokyo, Disney, Shanghai, Disney, Disneyland, Paris. I know I've seen those on your content. What are your thoughts on those parks in general? What are your, which ones are your favorites and how important do you think it is for kind of a Disney person to, to put it on their bucket list? And I know that's a loaded couple of questions. So yeah, the the international parks, if you're lucky enough to be able to go to them, are an incredible experience. I'm, you know, I'm I travel a lot for work. I travel internationally for work. So sometimes my work travel has brought me near a park and I've been able to visit. Sometimes it's about getting the miles to to make my own trip to visit. They are all incredibly unique. They all have their own character. And hats off to to Disney and Imagineering for making each park unique. You not making carbon copies and and really being authentic to to the locale that they're in. I I if I had to pick a park that I would say that you've got to see it or a, a resort you have to see, I would say the Tokyo Disney Resort is is the one. This is, you know. This uh, Tokyo Disney Sea in particular, the the this the the non Disneyland park that's there, or the there's the Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea. Tokyo Disney Sea is unlike any park that Disney has anywhere. It's about you know ports, different seaports, and different themed lands based around seaports. And it's got this very maritime theme to it throughout, but it's really 
gorgeous and detailed and beautiful and it's it's got some of the things you expect like it's got a tower of terror there it's got a version of soren there and but it's got a lot of other interesting things like journey to the center of the earth which is like a really fun and interesting ride and beautiful queue and it's it's just a lot of fun. I mean, th- these are these are beautiful parks. The the there there's definitely a difference in the experience, a difference in the merchandise and the food, and the layout is just sort of like you know if you're at Tokyo Disneyland, it's oddly familiar, but it's also very different. And so I, yeah, I I do love the parks in particular, like Tokyo Disney Sea, but also like had an incredible experience at Shanghai at Disneyland Shanghai, and I do like uh, Disneyland Paris. It's a lot of fun there. There's some good stuff there, but I think Tokyo Disney Resort is is probably my favorite. I haven't been to Hong Kong yet, and in fact, I just a couple of weeks ago I was like a boat ride away, and I wasn't able to go. I was there. For, I was in Hong Kong for work. I was in Shenzhen for work in Hong Kong, and I was so close. But it was a couple of weeks before Frozen, the, the new Frozen Land has had opened. So I was like, "Hey, maybe what I'll do is, you know, wait until Frozen opens and then make make a trip to Hong Kong so I can get all parks checked off my list." Listen, I'm, I'm going to go with him and say that Tokyo Disney or the C one, Disney C on Google Maps is by far the most beautiful. Like I'm a I'm a nerd. Like with that, like I'm a teacher, so I kids always ask, well, "Why? Well, show me." I literally pull up Disney World once a week and show my kids, oh, this is where I'm looking to stay. So then I, the one day I looked at them all and I'm like, oh, man, this one I got to go to. This one just looks like, is, it, is there a volcano in the middle or something yep. in the middle? <laughs> yep. And in the volcano, there's Journey to the Center of the Earth. And there's yeah, that's right. it is it is gorgeous. I mean, the detail. So we, we're very lucky with the parks that we have in the United States. There's a lot of detail. It's, it's very vivid. They do a great job with the theming. There's something about the Tokyo parks where the details dialed up i think just even a little bit more and it's a little bit more enveloping it you know brings you in a little bit more you really do feel like you're in another world uh there there's just something about it where they they just dialed it up a little bit and there's there's nothing else quite like it it's 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 a great place that's where the the Toy Story Resort is too, right? Yeah, I haven't I haven't been there yet. <laughs> Last time we were there, we I'm lucky enough to have gone to Tokyo. I and also if you to anyone out there who are who's thinking about doing this, making sure just to make sure you also see Tokyo proper because Tokyo is a beautiful city. There's a ton of amazing things to do. I love the city of Tokyo, and then also other places in Japan. We just did a trip where we did Kyoto, Tokyo, and then Tokyo Disneyland as a just for fun. And Hotel Miracosta is right there, basically in Tokyo Disney Sea. Amazing, amazing. If you're lucky enough to get a room which has a few of the park, it's beautiful. It, it's it's a re- really really cool experience. Very cool, very cool. And before we jump into our main segment about Epcot, I want to ask generally because I don't know if you, would you call yourself a foodie, Matt? No, I so I don't. <laughs> I used to work for a TV chef and I, there were proper culinary people on that show. And I know how serious the world, the culinary world is. I am so far away from that. I like eating food. I like talking about what I think about the food, but I, I, I just, I am a little reluctant to call myself a foodie. <laughs> All right. Well, I won't call you a foodie, but okay. you you do great food content. And so part of what I wanted to ask generally, just to have an opportunity to chat about it. What are some of your favorite places to eat and snack at Walt Disney World, whether it's a specific park or a specific resort, a specific restaurant? What are some of your favorite spots? So you can't beat Epcot during a festival. There's just so many options there. I, in particular, food and wine, obviously. I I was just at food and wine with two nieces of mine and, and some other family members, and we had a great time. 
everyone got to try little we just did the whole loop and everyone got to try the thing that they were interested in there's just variety variety is just makes a big difference here where people can try that little thing and little dishes it gives you a chance to try lots of stuff and hey if you didn't like it it was eight it was eight bucks it was small it was not that big of a deal but like you know you you can you can try a lot of things and that variety that they have when you when you're at a festival at epcot i think can't be beaten i think if if you like food food and wine or any of the other festivals too because there's plenty of other food at the other festivals at epcot too so that would be like my pick for food at disney world is is go to epcot during one of the festivals and little preview we are going to make everybody rank their festivals Okay. at the end of this episode so little preview for later i like you the, the segue a little bit there so let, let's jump into it i obviously epcot matt just hit the nail on the head festivals are are huge there there seems to be one going on year round so if, if you're not familiar there's festival of the arts food and wine flower of flower and garden and now festival of the holidays over christmas and and there's very rarely gosh and in fact like I think it's a very, very, very small number of days where there's not a festival going on at Epcot. Right. And I think that's what what makes Epcot unique and and beautiful and all the things. And so we'll talk about the the festivals and how we would rank them a little bit later. But when we talk about attractions, you know, I, I had a call from a guest this morning and she is going back to Disney with her family for the first time since 2013. And the first thing that she said was, I don't know that we need to take our kids to Epcot. And, and I, I said to her, and this is what I find myself telling guests a lot of the time. It's not the Epcot that, you know, the three of us here grew up with and it is completely different. In fact, like for kids, it's arguably, I think the, one of the best parts, if not the best part, because it's the character meets are special. You can meet almost all the princesses. So if you've got a daughter or a niece, it's a great opportunity for you to be able to meet a lot of characters. And they've really changed the game there with rides. Now, the construction has been a mess recently, and they're hopefully bringing a lot of those walls down. I think there was recently an announcement about the statue and some of the walls coming down. So I think we're all looking forward to that. But let's talk first really quickly about attractions. Matt uh, and Chip, I want to ask you your thoughts on this too. But Matt, what are your favorite attractions at Epcot that really stick out to you? So Epcot has the best attraction Disney World of any any Disney park has right now, which Hot I take. Yeah, I think Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind is the best attraction that Disney World or Disney Parks has done. And it's at Epcot. So I always tell people, do not sleep on Epcot. Go over there. I recommend people going. And if they can, try doing Cosmic Rewind early on in their trip because they may want to change their plans so that they can ride it every other day of the trip <laughs> if they can. So I, I think that Cosmic Rewind is brilliant. I think brilliant attraction in so many ways. We could we could do a whole show about why it's amazing, but I it's up there. I, I could not agree more. Chip, what do you what do you think in terms of attractions? Is do you agree with Matt there on the Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, I, I'm with you. I, I'm a big Tron guy, just because I, I I don't know moved a little funky for me. I still loved it. I would go do it again. I'm gonna do it again. But I think one of the biggest sleepers is the Seas Pavilion, especially. I mean, at one point it was the largest saltwater tank in the United States. I think now Atlanta's aquarium's bigger, but you could spend, I could spend four hours in there and I, we've spent like two and a half and I know. I didn't know you can scuba dive there. Did you know that? Oh yeah. 
I didn't know that until whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, whoa. I was looking at Enchanting you Action. Watched, you watched Full House. I didn't was, watch Full House, man. I was not uh, a Full House guy. Is that? I assume that happens on an episode of Full House. Yes. All right, Matt. Did you have you seen that episode, or is it, is it just I, me? I did watch Full House. I don't remember that episode, but I have to go look that up. All right, all right. Yeah. So I, I I'm with you on the. I have to say, Guardians is it's the best Disney ride to me, and Tron would be a close second. The only problem I have with Tron is that Tron is just a little short, and it, Tron can also be uncomfortable for some people, which is understandable. But Guardians is is it takes what you think about on a, a theme park attraction to a different level. And it really kind of shows you what the future can be for a lot of these attractions, which is another thing that I love. And, you know, it, it really compares to some of the stuff you started to see at Universal when they first had the escape, the, the Hogwarts ride when it first opened at Universal Studios, where you're kind of in a ride vehicle that goes all different directions. And I think that, though, you know, that was the first one at Disney that really did that in a strong way. And like Matt said, we, we could talk about that all day. But, you know, the Frozen Ever After is underrated, I think, also. It's, it's a really important one for kids. I wish that the animatronics were a little bit better, but it, especially in comparison to some of the international parks that Matt has talked about. But I, I, have, to, I have to agree. Guardians is, is, is the what do they call it? The creme de la creme, the, be- the best of the best <laughs> at Epcot and, and definitely check it out. But overall, you know, with Ratatouille, Frozen Ever After, Guardians, Soarin. Test Track, Soren, Soren, there, there's, there's a good number of attractions there that again, it's not the Epcot that we grew up with. And shows. I think that that's important. Yeah. All oh, shows. Yeah. So, so let's talk about shows real quick. What, what are your favorite shows at Epcot? Yep. Let's hear yours first. Uh, we like the Beauty and the Beast sing along, and I know this is uh this is one of those. It's uh it's a hot take, but my my daughter loves that. I don't know why she she loves the singing, um, so that's her favorite. I love the Canada video, and I have no idea why. It used to be Martin Short, now it's Eugene Levy and uh, the mom from Home Alone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I love that movie. I have no idea why. There's no real reason. I'm not Canadian. I have no ties to Canada, but I just enjoy that video. Matt, what about you? Do you do you have any favorite shows at Epcot, or are you not a shows guy? At Epcot, I, there's not a show at Epcot that really that really pulls me in. I, I, I do like the fireworks show. We could talk more about that. But I, like the way that they do fireworks at Epcot, I really appreciate. There's plenty of room for everybody. There's not a bad seat in the house for the most part. It doesn't feel like you know you know what it's like doing a, a Magic Kingdom a Magic Kingdom fireworks <laughs> show where it's like you know you're jammed in there. There's a lot more room. So I do I do appreciate whatever the fireworks show is at the moment. At the time when you're at Epcot, I know it's now just about to change again, but I, I like that aspect of it. But there's not in, in particular in shows. I'm not I'm not totally into anything in Epcot. My wife and I were just talking about that feeling at Magic Kingdom because we we usually try and get one night of the dessert party at Magic yeah. Kingdom when we go as a family because then you don't have to do that. And that's a tip I always give guests is like it's expensive. It's you know it can be I think you know anywhere from eighty to one hundred and thirty. I don't remember off offhand. But you can do the pre or post fireworks dessert party at Magic Kingdom. And then you get a spot on the hub where you don't have to fight with everybody or stand for an hour to hold your spot. So, so definitely think about that if you're considering those things. But to, to Matt's point, like you don't get that at Epcot. And 
Now Epcot's changing the fireworks show again. Symphony of Us is starting in a couple weeks. How would you, Matt, in terms of the theme parks, you've got Happily Ever After, Fantasmic, changing shows at Epcot. If you have one night on a trip, which one would you rather see? Fantasmic. I, I, I think Fantasmic is an amazing show. It's got a little bit of everything. In particular, what I like about Fantasmic, live performers. I mean, mm, there are live performers in other shows, but there are a lot of live performers in Fantasmic. And then it also adds the pyro, the music, the lights, the water effects. There's some really cool theatrical effects that are happening in Fantasmic. And there's a bit of a story there. A little bit, you can kind of pick up a little bit more on a narrative that you don't quite pick up on the others. So for me, that's why I, I'm a big fan of Fantasmic. Very cool. Would you would you put Happily Ever After second then, or would you put any show playing at Epcot second? I would put Happily Ever After second. There's something there's something that you know there's something about Happily Ever After that kind of tugs at your heartstrings a little bit. It gets you a little emotional. There's something they're doing there that kind of like you know it makes you it makes you feel something even even if you've got like a stone cold heart, you can feel something watching that. You know, and I mean from a showmanship perspective lasers projections lighting effects throughout and the fireworks they really bring it together with the music beautifully at happily ever after so if you're you're interested in like show tech like i think happily ever after is what you want to see yeah i I think those are all great points and and sadly you know the more i've thought about it epcot's epcot's not i i call it epcot's nighttime show because it, it changes so frequently but i feel like when you've got kids it's the first one that falls flat like Mm. falls off the schedule not necessarily falls flat in terms of enjoyment but like if you can only keep your kids up at that late at night on a family vacation of five to seven days you're probably picking the other two parks first and it's the one that falls off sort of like unfortunately if you've got a four-day vacation animal kingdom sometimes falls off you know and people prioritize the other three parks so the the epcot nighttime show i really hope symphony of us makes it so that you want to to get your kids out and get them there and bring something really special and i think that'll be interesting to see how that how they try to pull that off in terms of food let's talk food a little bit we've talked i I know we've mentioned the kind of eating around the world at festivals but are there any specific table service choices matt that you really enjoy at epcot I have two picks that I always recommend for Epcot for table service, Via Napoli and Hacienda. I think you get great pizza at Via Napoli. It's it's great. Everyone who I've ever taken there has absolutely loved it. Same with Hacienda. The thing, the advantage that a Hacienda has is you can actually get a reservation at Hacienda, or it's at least a lot easier to get a reservation at Hacienda. And so I, I usually recommend Hacienda first, and I say, hey, and if you spot Via Napoli, jump on that too. But those are those are by far my two favorite table service. Um, but there is a lot of good options. You can't go wrong with table service at Epcot, I think. I agree. Chip, any, st- any that stick out to you in terms of table service? Like Garden Grill is always good with the buffet. Space 220 I haven't done. And I don't know if I need to do it. it. It might be one of those that when my kids are older, just uh, if they're into space and something like that. But uh, just the reviews and all the YouTube videos and all the things I've seen, it's just like, eh, it could be okay. Those are kind of the two that really, oh, oh. Rosencrown's the one I actually do want to do. Like I, I want to do the, uh, the, at some point, one of the festivals where you get a, get in to see a concert as well with Rosencrown. That's the one that, 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 that I want to go to. Yeah. I, I had a reservation for Space 220 like the first week it opened and ended up canceling it because the menu was just not up my kid's alley. 
Yeah. It's yeah. it's a solo trip restaurant that I I really would love to experience. And but when you're there with the little ones, I, I'm not going to Space 220 and let my kids get chicken fingers. So it's <laughs> so I have thoughts on Space 220. Let's hear it. I've been a couple times. The reaction that my nephew had to walking into that restaurant was priceless. Like, how old was your nephew? At the time, this was a couple years ago. I want to say he was eight at the time okay. and blew his mind when we walked into that restaurant. And it is cool. You do this like space elevator simulation. And, and so we thought, oh, this is going to be great. And then you sit down and what you're talking about is fine dining. And it it's not, it, you know, it, 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 there's a little bit of, a, it, it's a little disjointed, this sort of idea that you have this actually like fancy, like, I don't know what it is, like a roasted cauliflower with whatever, you know, it, it, it's a little bit more upscale dining, but in a theme and a very like strongly themed restaurant where you don't really expect that. So there's a little bit of like incongruity there. And so that kind of took us by surprise. And yeah, the kids had trouble finding the stuff that, you know, they wanted to eat. They don't, I don't think they were into the food that much. And, then, and it is good. It's high quality. It's, it's a good experience. But yeah, I think it, it's in the end though, it's also very expensive. So if the kids aren't happy and it's very expensive, it just, it's, it's hard to make that, that work out and, and make you want to go back very much. Yeah. I, I tell people you have to be a little farther on the foodie spectrum yeah. to, to really want to enjoy it because an experience can only go so far. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, like, like we, we've talked about on the show before, be our guest in Cinderella's Royal Table. The experience gets you, gets you where you can, my kid can have chicken tenders while I have a filet. That's fine. Cause the experience is what it is, but a space 220, I, I think it falls a little bit short on the, on that front, at least for me, but I do want to try it as a, as a solo guy when I go down in terms of quick service. And, and I'll, I'll just mention too, V Napoli is, is fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. So definitely check that out. If you can get, if you can get the reservation as Matt pointed out, quick service, are there any quick service spots that, or any countries in particular that jump out to you, Matt, let's start with you. What do you, what do you think? I, I think Regal Eagle is underrated. I, I always Let's recommend go. it to people. It's it's a little bit newer than other other spots there. There's barbecue. It's good, actually good barbecue. And I, you know, and they have got Sprite Zero in the soda fountains there, which I love. <laughs> and a nice selection of different barbecue sauces and so on. And there's something for everyone there. I, I took a, a group of 11 there, family, and they all found something they loved there. So I, I, I love Regal Eagle. I'll go there on my own too. If, if I'm coming to Epcot for lunch. Chip, what's your favorite quick service spot at, at Epcot or your favorite country when you're walking around? So we go to Mexico. My wife has to get a margarita. We get the chips and guac. Um, and that holds us over until we get in, get into America. We stop at Regal Eagle. I'm going to just go out on a limb. Barbecue might be cheaper at Disney than up here in Ohio <laughs> and it's better. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm just going out there on that limb with you guys saying flame tree, Regal Eagle. And then what's that? What's the one at Disney Springs that you just ate? Oh at? my gosh. Polite pig. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't believe I even forgot to mention that. Polite, yes. I mean, polite pig is it's in my, it's in my top, top five for sure. Mm. I would have to sit and think about my top three, but it's in my top five. It's borderline. Disney restaurant Mount Rushmore territory for me. Oh wow. That's how much I like play. Have you had play pig Matt? I gotta try it. I gotta try it. Oh my gosh. It's and and in fairness, like you, I go to Disney a lot. I had never had it until I was down two weeks or so ago. 
And I went there when I was by myself. It is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. It is really good. I, I definitely check it out if you can pop over to Disney Springs. And there's always seating. It's more of like the quick service walk-up type of stuff instead of, you know, having to have the ADR and, and things like that. So def, definitely check that out if you can, Matt, for sure. For me. Yeah, Milers, hold on. Ahead. There's one more. You got to go okay. to France. You got to end in France. And I, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce it. La Halle, La, La Halle, I don't know. It's the, the pastry shop back there in the back. Uh, we got the baguette. We got it warmed up. And it's like $3. Yeah. And my kids love like rolls. So we just broke it off and we're passing bread around. Like it was communion. I don't know. <laughs> I, I hear you. And, and I'll, I'll just mention my, my favorite is Mexico. And so much so that like, my, when I go solo, I'll go to like Hollywood studios and I'll park hop the Epcot just to go get tacos with rice and beans, stand and eat it on top of a trash can. Cause there's nowhere to sit. <laughs> and then I'll go back to Hollywood studios. Do you, you know, there's secret seating there. Did you, did you see this? So I, I was there recently and I was reviewing the churro Sunday, which was only okay. But I noticed the sign on the door. There's like a back door to Hacienda, the, the restaurant. And it says, you know, open until 3 p.m. for indoor seating. You can sit inside the restaurant after you get the quick service meal right there. So it's a pro tip. For I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, there. That's a that's a new one. I'll have to check that out yeah. because I there's a very specific trash can mm. as you're walking out towards the shops that yeah. I always just park myself there. I stand there, send my wife and kids a selfie. I'm at my trash can. I'm in my happy place, <laughs> and then and then I then I usually just leave Epcot. I come in for the tacos and, and and they're not even like the greatest tacos in the world, right? Like don't don't go there expecting to have your mind blown because you know a podcast said that these tacos are fantastic. It's part of it is like being at Disney and being there. It's it's very much park f- taco food, but it's good and it's fun. And so we're we're gonna talk about two more things really quickly before we wrap up our thoughts on Epcot. Matt, do you do, and, and maybe you do this with your nieces and nephews, and sometimes maybe you do it solo. Do you guys ever do any character meets, or do you have any thoughts on favorite characters that are at Disney at Epcot? I'm an awkward guy. I am especially awkward when it comes to character meet and greets, so I usually don't do it on my own. And actually, the families I've been with haven't been super interested. They're more interested in food and rides than character meet and greets. That being said, I'm an 80s kid, so I'm excited to meet Figment next time at Ep- I'm at Epcot if the line's not too long, because I do want that picture with Figment. Fun, fun, fun. Chip, Chip what, what do you think, especially for you and your kids, what's at least one character meet that you think people need to make sure that they know is at Epcot or prioritize when they're at Epcot? Well, I'll say there's one that's at, at Epcot is over at Norway, the buffet. I personally would Acker shoes. There. Acker shoes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I personally wouldn't eat there because the menu is rough for me. It's all Scandinavian. Now, breakfast, I think, is more, more normal, but the Scandinavian food is just isn't up our alley. But you can meet all the princesses there. The one we go to, we go to Garden Grill and you see, I think it's Chippendale. Is it Mickey? I want to mm-hmm. say it's Pluto. It's Mickey Pluto, Pluto? Chippendale. At least last time yeah, I was there, it was Mickey Pluto Chippendale. I think you're right. It maybe it's only four. Yeah. But Mickey's in his overalls, and it. Yeah, yes. I love it. I He's love a that. Farm. He's Farmer Mickey. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, they're, they're, those are, but those are definitely two underrated character meals: Garden Grill and Acker Shoes. Especially if you got someone that's in, into the princesses, and I tell anybody if you've got a daughter or or even a son that wants to meet the princesses, 
Epcot is the place to go. You can meet pretty much all of them. And a lot of times there is no wait for them because people really don't realize that they're there because they're tucked away behind buildings or in buildings. Like, you know, Jasmine, you've got to walk through buildings to get back there. And there's, there's no signage whatsoever. So to find them, you really need to use the My Disney Experience app and you can look there or just do a little Google search before. But Anna and Elsa are the, you know, the top two that everybody kind of knows about. But definitely if you're, if you're into princesses, make Epcot a priority on your vacation for sure. So the last part to wrap up Epcot, this is, I think, going to be a little bit fun. I, we're going to do a rank the festivals and we'll start, we'll, we'll do best to worst. And Matt, I'm, I'm going to put you under the hot seat first. What, how would you rank the festivals best to worst and kind of what's your thought processes on why? So I, I know my immediate number one, which would be food and wine. That That's easy. I think food and wine is just big. It goes on for a long time. And the food element to me is really appealing. And that's just, it just works with the whole Epcot experience really well, especially with countries and their cuisines. Second is, is I'd have to say is Festival of the Arts because they actually have good food too. In fact, the last Festival of the Arts, they had a lot of like rainbow figment themed things and purple drinks and stuff that I really liked. And then the sort of experiences you get with doing the murals and they just add in these like photo opportunities that are interesting. So I, I do like Festival of the Arts. It's just got this, it brings this vividness in this, into, into Epcot I like. Between flower and garden and holidays, it's kind of a toss-up for me. I'm not super interested in gardening, although I appreciate what they do in terms of the topiary and the flowers and everything. But I like holiday food, so I'd have to put holiday next and then say flower and garden, although I, it, it is, it's all great stuff. That's just like if you're forcing me to rank it, that's why I would have to do it. I, I do think Festival of the Holidays, it leaves a little bit more to be desired in comparison to, to some yeah. of the others. Matt, you've you've really hit the nail on the head in terms of the thought process there. The one thing I'll mention too, just as a background, is always be mindful of who what artists are coming for concerts. The the Garden Rock series and and the food and wine concerts, like Festival of the Arts, there's always concerts going on and they are awesome and they're free and it's an intimate venue. So there can be some really cool artists. Some of the best concerts I've been to have been at Epcot on a whim that I didn't realize were going to be there. <laughs> yeah, I I, w- I was there and the Pointer Sisters were playing and I didn't realize how much I love the Pointer Sisters until I heard one song <laughs> after another. Again, 80s kid, you know. In, you know yeah. So. All right, uh, let's jump into listener questions. And we've got quite a few, so I want to make sure we try and give them as much as we can. And I'm going to cut off a, a couple of them. Just Mark, your question about helping a solo traveler. We talked a little bit about that earlier. One of the things that, was asked specifically for Matt by Lauren. What are your future Disney plans? Do you have any run Disney or international trips in the works? So I have, you know, you mentioned we have a place in celebration. Now we're starting to do some work on it. So in December, I'm going to have a big block of time while we sort of figure out the design and and the the way we're going to fix up this place we got. And then it's, then after that, it's the whether whether or not I do the full marathon in January for the free weekend <laughs> of January, we'll see. And then again, for me, my sights are on Hong Kong right now. Now that the frozen land is open, and I, I want to get there so that I can kind of complete the circuit is 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 on my mind. I think I can maybe do that in 2024, depending on what work travel looks like. 
Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. We're well, we're excited to follow along with you on on those trips for sure through uh, Instagram and TikTok. Christy asked us, what is the best run Disney race weekend for a beginner to running? And she specifically notes she wants to do her first half marathon. Matt, what are your thoughts, if you have any, on the best weekend for a beginner? Okay, so I would say the the biggest difference is so if you have to set aside the springtime surprise there's no half marathon i would also set aside the um full marathon weekend because the the big deal there is the full marathon and you kind of feel like you're being eclipsed a little bit so that leaves princess and wine and dine the big difference between them i say is the course and the best course is the princess half marathon because you run up to magic kingdom through the castle and back down I think that's how you should be making your decision on this. Whether one is better for a beginner, I don't know, but there is a big difference in the way the courses are. And if you want that amazing photo of you running through the castle and they take great shots, it's a great motivator to get a good photo of you running in front of the castle. Princess half marathon is the way to go. I would say. Man, what a, what a great answer. I, a the only thing, answer. the only thing I would add to that is if you envision yourself wanting to do a full, then I would consider the full marathon weekend only because you get to cheer on the other runners and see what it's like and really give yourself kind of a vision of what that entire process is like, because it's a run Disney race is different. You know, getting up at two 30 in the morning to take a bus to the corrals and to sit there for a couple of hours, you really start to get a taste for how it's different And I do think that there's something to be said for running when you run your first marathon, having seen it and having been there, it takes a little bit of that edge off. And I think that that can be helpful. But otherwise, I I completely agree with Matt. I think Princess is the best course, probably. Wine and Dine, if you're going for an adults only trip or you and your friends are going in a running group or something like that, it might be a good choice. I I don't think you can really go wrong. That that's for sure. But Matt's made great points. And and do keep in mind too that we register for these things so far out, as Matt pointed out earlier on. And they don't give you the course map until like a month or two before. So don't don't come with your pitchforks at right. the two mats about, <laughs> about the course. If if you run if you go run it and they're coming at the 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 podcast and the two mats, like hey, we, the, we didn't run through the castle now. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. It's, no refunds no refund from change. the two mats. Right. You're definitely not getting your refunds here. But uh, all right. So let's let's jump into This is one I get a lot. And Matt, I, I, I love to know what you and Chip think on this. Do you guys buy souvenirs on every trip, considering how often you go? Are there any specific souvenirs you collect or look for? Thanks, <laughs> Jason. I, I see some pins on the wall. Yeah. Matt, we'll start with you. And then Chip, I want to hear what your thoughts are. I don't buy souvenirs on every trip, but if I do something special on a trip, let's say it's the first time I ride on Guardians, I'll buy the Guardians pin. I like pins because they're small, they're they're not that expensive, they don't take up a ton of space in your luggage and in your home. You can put them up on a cork board really nicely and, you know, you know, it's not like a big piece of plastic that takes up space like like I could not imagine myself collecting popcorn buckets cuz I've got nowhere to put them. My my popcorn bucket got tossed by my wife, so I'm right there with you. Chip, Chip, what do you think? We just got into pin trading. So with my kids, that's that's one of the things my son really wanted to do. So we got we we will have three lanyards at Christmas time. We will have three lanyards. We have two now. So that's the pin trading is probably the best way of 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 souvenir because I mean you can get one for twelve bucks. 
we get the resort every time we go to like stay at a resort that's the one we get so kind of following along with matt like if there's a new ride they've never done or a new experience do, do something along that line it's very affordable that way for me outside of like my kids don't really collect anything but for me personally i i have an eye for hats and spirit jerseys so like if they've got like a mickey's very merry christmas party i grabbed the spirit jersey for myself and i i'm a huge sucker for the nike hats yeah the ones at the disney parks they're they're dry fit and they're incredibly comfortable and i wear them all the time there's we haven't gotten into the pins who knows if my kids will in the future but i i definitely stay away from the popcorn buckets and the sippers and we we do have unfortunately a collection of bubble wands but that's that's by circumstance not by desire so Jason, I hope I hope that helps. And then the last one, Macy asked, what are a few Disney movies to watch before a family's first trip to Walt Disney World? Matt, what do you what do you got for us? So th- that's a good one. I, I like that question. The way we think of it is that if you know, when before we left on the trip where we were going to do Guardians for the first time, we watched through the Guardians movies and then you know, we watched Tron when Tron's opening. That's the way we kind of do it, but I got to say, there's so many touch points between movies and what's going on in the parks for obvious reasons, the synergy. But so it really depends on like, what are you most excited to ride and or do? And then I would just say, watch that movie or watch whatever movie that's associated with so that to kind of get you excited for it. I I can't imagine any other way of, of kind of figuring that out, to be honest. Man, that, that Matt, you, you're you're killing all the all the perfect answers tonight. <laughs> Chip, what is your thought? Uh, I don't have the patience to sit there and watch multiple movies, but I would also, the Disney Plus, any of those, like uh, the Imagineering story, what's behind the, the attraction. one? Where, yeah, Behind, behind the Attraction, attraction is phenomenal. Season two is great of that. So. Yeah. I think for me, I, I I agree with Matt. Like, it depends on what your kids are into and what you guys want to accomplish on the vacation. We, we've got a couple guests that are really excited about doing Star Wars, but had never seen Star Wars. Right. So to me, like you, you've got to run, if your trip's in June, which these guests are, like you've got to run the gamut of a lot of Star Wars <laughs> before you before you head down. But the, the biggest one, if you've got kids in the three to seven range, my number one recommendation is Toy Story 1 and 2. And, and and that's if like if you can only watch a couple movies, those are the two because and and the reason being Slinky Dog for that age group is the best attraction at Walt Disney World, in in my opinion. And so it is the great, it's a great first coaster. Yeah. Do you want to ride the Barnstormer or something first to warm your kids up? Sure. But Slinky Dog is awesome. And it is the like it is Disney did that right. And to to really get enamored into the Andy's backyard area, you have to at least watch Toy Story 1. And if you get through 2, then you've got Jesse, who's right outside the ride. And you can, you know, kind of better understand the characters and do Toy Story Mania and and stuff like that. So to me, that's that's the two that I would pick if I really had to figure it out. But as Matt pointed out, like there's so many touch points throughout so many different things. If you're excited about heck jungle cruise has a, as a movie right. now, yeah. you know, there's, there's something for everybody. And, and so even if you've run the gamut of all these other movies, there's something that you can catch up on or some of the history on Disney plus and, and things like that. 
So we're going to skip overrated or underrated this week just because we're going really long. So we'll, we'll revisit that next week. And I really want to focus on a new segment we're doing on the show called Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore is going to be four selections, just like Mount Rushmore. You can either do rides as a category, restaurants as a category, resorts as a category, or you can mix them together and do your ultimate Disney Mount Rushmore. These are my four top things across the board. So Matt, kick us off. What are your four things on your Disney Mount Rushmore? I'm doing a mix. I would say I have to have a couple attractions on there, a little bit of food and an experience. This is kind of wanted a nice mix there. So as you know, big Cosmic Rewind fan. So I'm seeing Cosmic Rewind, Guardians of the Galaxy, Cosmic Rewind is, is, is the number one spot there. I thought I really also wanted to, that's a new attraction and it's the best one Disney has. So I wanted to complement that with an attraction that is a little more classic and has lots of different versions. So I went with Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, any of the versions that are at any of the parks, they're they're great. And so I think that's just, it's just a classic Disney attraction you need to include. I can smell it when you mention it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Snack, for me, a snack I love, and I also think is just like quintessentially Disney's Dole Whip. So I kind of see that on my Mount Rushmore. And then finally, I think the fourth thing that I think rounds out like a perfect sort of quintessential Disney parks, Mount Rushmore would be Fantasmic. I think it really just captures a lot of the spirit of Disney in one amazing show. So that would be, those are kind of the the four that I, when you, when you kind of pitch this to me, those are the four that jumped out in my head. I, I love it. And we'll, Chip and I are, are going to do this with guests. So we're not going to answer ours yet. I think people will get to get to know us a little bit throughout the show. So I, I, I do just, we've got a few minutes. So I, I want to pick your brain, Matt, on the overrated or underrated. Okay. Um, yes. when, when you go down, now that you've got a spot in celebration, you don't have a need to stay at the resorts, but when you go down to the resorts, generally, like what, what resorts do you typically stay at? So I, for when I was doing the work from Disney thing for a while, I was staying off property. I was staying at the Vistana resort at 530 on 535 and I4 because it had a ton of space, but I do stay at Disney resorts for you know, shorter stretches, shor shorter trips. And so I've, I've stayed at a little bit of everything, really. I do love the resorts that are right behind Epcot or between Epcot and Hollywood Studios just because of the location. And I've stayed at the monorail resorts, but I definitely prefer those resorts that are right near Epcot because you got those two parks right there. All right. Well, let, that, let's, that's a good segue. Let's kick it off here. Overrated or underrated Wilderness Lodge? Wilderness Lodge is absolutely underrated because I think Wilderness Lodge is like the perfect hotel. I think um, it's gorgeous. It, it's absolutely gorgeous. One of my favorite places in the world is the lobby of the Wilderness Lodge. And it, it, it's got the craftsman style furniture in there. It's got some Native American touches. It's got the sort of Yellowstone theme to it. I think it's an absolutely gorgeous hotel. I wish it was a little better connected to like other deluxe resorts are. But I mean, what a, what a gorgeous place to stay, I think. So I think it's absolutely underrated. So Chip, what's your thought? Overrated or underrated? If it's any other month that, or any other season besides winter, it is overrated. I think during Christmas, I think it's got to be the most beautiful place. And like, that's where we want to stay. But during the heat of the summer, I don't want to be there. That just makes me think of like cold. And I, I, mean, I know it's hot, but I go, I agree with everything else. Like it is phenomenal resort. It's beautiful. The pool's beautiful. The disconnect is one of the biggest issues that it's going to take you 20 minutes to get almost anywhere because it's kind of off 
off a little bit off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. Even if you take a boat to Magic Kingdom, it's a 20 minute boat ride. Yeah, it's it's completely underrated for me because it's the most forgotten about Walt Disney World Resort, I think. When I when I have guests get quotes, it is very, very rare that they ask me about what are the slots. And and it's not because they aren't interested in a deluxe resort or in the price range or whatever. It's because they don't realize it exists. It just doesn't get talked about that much. So to me, it's underrated. It is absolutely gorgeous. You know, I, I think if you can stay there at Christmas, my goodness, it is beautiful. All the Disney resorts at Christmas are beautiful, but it, it is ph- phenomenal. But I, I think it is probably the most under talked about resort at Walt Disney World across the board, whether it be social media or anything else. I I, I really think it just gets... It just gets overlooked. And I don't know, maybe people think that it's like part of the campgrounds or maybe they think that it's part of, you know, animal kingdom. I I don't, I don't know what the answer is there, but it, it's just an odd thing that it gets so forgotten. Matt, let's bring it back around overrated or underrated sticking with our theme of Epcot garden grill. Garden grill is underrated. It's been there a long time. I think people have kind of forgotten about that. It was there, but it's been, it's, I just was there a few weeks ago and it is good as ever. It was amazing. We, we had breakfast there and absolutely loved it. So I I think it's just, since it's not new and shiny, I think people kind of forget about it. So underrated. Yeah. Chip, what do you think? It's underrated. Everything he said. Also it spins. Yeah. So for kids. For kids, it's kind of cool. You're like, oh, we're kind of moving. The food's phenomenal, especially at dinner. They used to have like pork, like a pork tenderloin thing. Now I think it's like turkey and and steak. And all the reviews are phenomenal. But they still have like stuffing and cornbread. And the, the salad is literally grown and living with the land. So that's pretty cool. I actually didn't know that. That's that's interesting. For me, it's underrated. And, and only because it's really rare that you have a character meal that the food is good. And, and by good, I mean like I would go there just for the food. If I go to Chef Mickey's, I'm going because I want my kids to see Mickey. I, I'm definitely not going to sit in the loud contemporary and eat a bad breakfast or, and, and I wouldn't call it bad. So I, I don't mean it that way, but you get what I mean. You, you can actually go to Garden Grill because you want to have a good meal, not just to see characters. And I don't think there's a whole lot of restaurants you can say that about at Walt Disney World where it could survive completely independent of the other. So I think for that reason, to me, it's definitely, definitely underrated. Rides. Ratatouille, sticking with our Epcot theme. Matt, what do you think? Overrated. Only the way I know this is because I'm never as excited as everybody else is to ride it. I do like it. I just, I'm not gunning for it like everybody else's. Chip, what do you think? I think it's underrated for kids. I, I kind of agree with Matt. It was, so, it was cool. First time I wrote it. But my kids loved it. They loved all the aspects of it. I mean, it's a it's a different Mickey and Minnie's, but it, it's it's underrated for kids, especially. For me, it's a overrated ride and overrated movie. Mm. I, I I the movie like it's it's not it's it's not it's not replayable in my house. Mm. You know, there there's there's probably fifteen or twenty Disney movies that are very replayable to my kids and and in my for me personally that I would sit down and watch without my kids, Ratatouille is not one of them. So that's just where it falls for me. And and because I just don't it's like Matt said, I don't run to it. 
it's not one of my top priorities. So that's that's kind of where it falls for me. It's it's a good ride though. I think um, that's in my, it's playing in my car all the time. We have about four movies, and that's one of them. That's why it's playing. I, I it just doesn't doesn't do it yeah. for me. There was I came around on Princess and the Frog. That was another oh, yeah. one that like it took me one or two tries. Uh, one. Oh, and then we'll let you get out of here, Matt. Overrated or underrated snack, Joffrey's Coffee. It's everywhere at Walt Disney World. What do you think, Matt? Overrated. I don't know why people love it so much. It's, it's You're not taking it home with you and, uh, and ordering it to the house? No, no. The, the, coffee's, <laughs> the coffee's fine. My husband loves the, it's the shaken Jamaican or whatever it is. I don't remember what the iced coffee is they have there. But generally with Joffrey's, my, my, my main complaint is those donuts, they look really good. They never taste really good. I, I've got, that's my bone to pick with Joffrey's. Fair, fair enough. Coffee. Chip, do you have any thoughts on that one? I agree 100% with the donuts, but it's underrated. I love their coffee. I don't like, I'm not a Starbucks fan. So that that's kind of probably my reason why I love their coffee is I, I, I brew it every day, not at home, just down there, but it's just a good change up for what we have here. So I, I like their coffee. I, I just drink black coffee. My wife is like the, the, all the other stuff and with calories and whatnot. So I, I, for me, it's just, it's overrated in the sense that I'm not ordering it to my house. And I'm not stealing it from my room to take home like some of the people you see online. So <laughs> to me, like I, I expected it to be like like magic, literally, and it it is it is not on that front. Right. So anyway, we we've gone a long time, Matt. Man, thank you so much for joining us. That's going to wrap up this episode. If you have any comments or questions, don't hesitate to reach out to any of us on social media or via email. I can be found at, at Adventures of a Disney Dad. Chip, where can people find you? At Robinson Dad Life on Instagram. Matt Matt Richardson, is that your handle across all platforms? It is on Instagram. On TikTok, I'm actually Matt Hungry again. There you go. Matt Hungry again. Not a foodie. Not a foodie, not, no, no, <laughs> not a foodie though. Yeah, absolutely. At Matt Richardson on Instagram. Follow him on both places and show him some support. And if you're interested in having me assist you in planning your next Universal or Disney vacation, please feel free to reach out. All the links to get a free quote are in the show notes. Our services are free to you, and we'd love to help you plan your dream vacation. If you have a moment and you could follow, subscribe, like, and review the podcast on whatever platform you prefer, we would greatly appreciate the support. We always know that you have a lot of choices when it comes to content that you consume. We hope this episode brightened your day and you learned a little bit. We hope you enjoy Matt's content. We sure do. Matt, thank you again. And I, I've got to leave the outro, right? We'll see you in the parks. We'll see you in the parks. We'll, we'll see you in the parks.